pray before we begin to pray is, is to help us and just encourage us. Uh, I don't know what your days are like, but I was just commenting to my wife. I st- we start every day with uh, some real time of prayer and just reading God's Word and meditating and, and sometimes even talking together. And it can take a while to do that. And I can get so close to the Lord, so engaged in it. And then I launch out on my day and it's like, where did all that go? So if that happens to me, I'm sure it happens to you. And if you're not even starting your day spending time with Him, that's even more difficult to overcome. We really need to learn how critical that time is in the morning. And I'll end talking about that. Uh, The founding pastor of this church, Pastor Sam, I remember sitting somewhere back over there. I just started coming to this church some, uh, what, 30 years ago almost, 25 years ago? Almost 30 years ago. And, and I heard him say this, and I've never forgotten. He said, when we don't pray in the morning, what we're really selling God is, I can handle this without you today. I don't need you today. It's the realization of how much I need him. And it's not because I'm a pastor. It's because I'm alive in this world today. How much I need him to start out with him. And every day I'm learning more and more how much I need him and how much he's there and available to me as I go through the day. He wants you, as you face the challenges and difficulties of the day, expect because he's in you and expect because he wants you to turn to him that he is there and available to you, not just in your morning time, not just Sunday morning, not just Wednesday night, but he's available to you 24 hours a day. And he not only does he not tire if you're turning to Him. He wants you to turn to Him in your weaknesses when you don't know what to do. Because the more we do that, the more we learn to depend upon Him and the more we learn how, how close and intimate He is and wants to be with us. There is nothing, I think, that draws us closer into our, the, a real closeness of a relationship with Him than answered prayer. When we have asked Him something and we've watched God do what we asked Him to do, especially when it's exactly what we asked Him to do. So it pleases Him to hear your prayers and it pleases Him to answer your prayers. God's not some big, mean, stubborn a uh, nasty person up there with a big nose and a big stick waiting for you to get out of line. He loves you. You were his idea and he created you so that he could love you and bless you and have you to himself. And it's our sin and our pride and all the other things that we inherited as human beings that also we have lived in our lives that has created this gulf between him and us. And Jesus came to close that gap, to close that gulf. And the Spirit of God was put in you, if you're a Christian, to make so that he literally lives in you. And so he can commune with you in very, just even in impressions. The most intimate communion and communication you can have is with your heavenly Father through the Holy Spirit. Because it's not by words, it's by living you inside of you and by impression. So I just want to share some things tonight to encourage us in our prayer and get kind of down to what, what's helped me to understand in my prayer life the, the basis of coming to Him and the basis of our communion. Because prayer is nothing more or less than just talking to our heavenly Father and asking Him things. Sometimes prayer is not even asking Him for something. It can be just communicating with him, just being with him. There's times my wife and I just, 
I'm going to sit together and maybe it's to sit and sit in a park and gaze at the water or maybe it's to do something together or just we love taking trips and driving together, just being together. Even after 53 years, we love being together and especially when there's nothing else that we have to do that's coming between us. And, and God's no different than that. He would love you just to spend time with Him, just sit with Him and, and, and not, not to say anything, just be with Him. It develops that relationship. But we're, we're talking tonight in here, we're talking in these prayer meetings about communicating with God about needs, not just in our lives, but in the lives of other people, and that's called intercessory prayer. But whatever type of prayer we're involved in, there's one basic principle as the foundation for, for praying, for coming to Him, that if you don't understand it or if you forget it from time to time, it begins to change prayer into something we do and then that becomes a, an obligation or this thing we have to do. And I'm convinced that because more people don't realize that, or let's put it another way, if people really understood what I'm going to talk about and really knew that God was listening and really knew that God was ready to answer your prayers, this place, when we could open it up, would be filled with people on a Wednesday night prayer night. Why? Because there's, not no, there's no lack of needs out there. I assume there's no lack of needs in your life. And if everything's going perfectly well in your life, God bless you, but you know people whose lives are not going perfectly well. And they may be in your own family and God wants us praying for them and wants us praying for our people, for our nation, for our church, for His will to be done. And we're going to do all of that, all of that tonight. But here's the foundation thing that God wants to teach us. And let's, we're going to start at when Jesus' disciples came to Him because they was, they, these were men that grew up, in the, in, grew up in, the, in, a, in the temple and grew up in their synagogues. And they had seen the rabbis pray. So they knew what prayer was. In fact, they had specific prayers they were supposed to pray. But when they met Jesus and they started traveling with Him, they recognized there was something different about His prayer life. First of all, He did not go to a prayer meeting, say some prayers and go home. It was part of His natural life. In fact, there were many nights where He just spent the whole night in prayer. Can you imagine that? Spending a whole night in prayer? Well, it must have not been some duty for him that he felt he had to go through. There must have been something that was life-giving. And that's the sign, that's the sign that you really are communicating with God. Because when you're really communicating with God, it's life-giving. It's not boring. You're not sitting there, lying there, kneeling there, looking at your watch, wondering, am I done yet? Can this, is this over yet? In fact, when you really grow in this relationship, you will look at your watch and say, oh, I got to go to work. I can't stay here any longer. So the reason we don't all feel that way is because we've really not grasped what Jesus knew and what Jesus experienced. So his disciples came to Jesus at one point because they recognized this difference and they asked him to teach them to pray. Now, from my understanding of what the practices were back in those days, is that when you followed a rabbi, because if you were a student or disciple of a rabbi, you would follow him wherever he went and whatever his teaching was, and he would teach you different, different religious practices, and one of them is he would teach you his method of prayer. So it was not, un, it was not uncommon, it was not unthinkable for Jesus' disciples who recognized him as a rabbi to ask him to pray. But I've got to believe 
It was because they saw something different in the way this man prayed. Not just when, that he went off and prayed by himself alone for great periods of time, but also when he prayed, he got answers. And his answers didn't take a long time to come. And not only that, when he prayed, many of his prayers about situations were not prayers where he's having a conversation with God the Father. It's as if he's speaking for him. So this man, this Jesus prayed with an intimacy that they'd never seen a man pray before. This man, Jesus, prayed with a confidence and an expectation that he was getting an answer that they had not seen in the others that they'd seen pray. And this man spoke with an authority that they'd never seen anyone pray before because the comment in several places in the Bible after Jesus prayed over a situation is what manner of man is this? Or what kind of authority has God given to this man? So let's look at what Jesus had to say about prayer. And we're not going to spend all, all, you know, the whole night on it, but I want to encourage you, because I want to encourage you in your own personal prayer life to, 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 be, to be challenged by this principle and expect this principle. And then we're going, to, we're going to show some variations on it. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is talking with his disciples. This is in the, in the early part of the Sermon on the Mount. Now this is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry with these disciples. He's, he started his public ministry, but now he's called these disciples, especially these twelve, to follow him. And he is teaching them at the beginning of his ministry with them the basic principle, the foundation principle he wanted them to know about their prayer life, which would be different than what every other rabbi was teaching. And you'll see why in a minute. He talks about uh, how the, the, the Pharisees and the, and the, the Sadducees love to pray standing in the synagogues because they're praying for attention. But he said, but I say to you, but you, when you pray, go into your room and when you shut your door, so in private, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen or unbelievers or Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of the way they pray or their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. In other words, the basis of your prayer time, the basis of your prayers is not in how you pray. It's not in whether you're standing, kneeling, laying on your face, driving in your car. It's nothing about how you pray that makes your prayer effective. He was saying that those Gentiles that have no covenant relationship with God, their confidence is in how they pray. But don't be like them. Instead, what should you be like? So the first thing he says, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray, our father in heaven. Now to you and me, that's not a shocking thing to hear because we're used, that's the beginning of what's called the Lord's Prayer. We're used to hearing people pray, Our Father who are not out in heaven. Oh, Heavenly Father, do this. Heavenly Father. But to a Jew, 
the idea of addressing Jehovah or Yahweh as Father was unthinkable. We've talked about this several, a number of Sundays ago. One of the names that God used to communicate about Himself was, I am Yahweh, which in Hebrew means, I am the self-existent one. And in, in, the, in the Greek, or in, the, in Latin, it's Jehovah. That's how it's used in English. But the, the Jew of that day, that name was so sacred that they would not even pronounce it. So when they got to uh, that name in a prayer, or they got to that name in quoting scripture, they would skip over the name, kind of like if you bleep uh, an expletive out of a, of a TV interview or something like that, they would just skip over. Why? Because they believed that their mouth was not holy enough to utter that name. When the Pharisees and Sadducees finally decided that they had to put Jesus to death, it was because he called this holy God his Father. So when Jesus told his disciples, now, now look at how often he tells them this in this, this beginning to teach them. He said, And when you pray, go into your room and pray to your Father in secret. And when you pray, don't use repetition as the, as the heathens do, for they know that they'll be, they, don't, they think they'll be heard because of many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father, second time, knows that you need these things. Therefore, pray this way, our Father who is in heaven. This is very appropriate because Sunday is Father's Day. Now, what does Father mean here? What does Father, that, that role of Father that Jesus is saying, you're not praying just to Yahweh. You're not just praying to El Shaddai, the Almighty God. You're not just praying to Elohim, the, uh, the highest authority. You're, not, you're praying this God that you're praying to, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He is in a relationship with you of a father to a child. So you are to approach him with your requests as a child would come to his father. So Jesus is teaching them, and this is what I think we often forget. We may have known it, but we forget it because you can't see him. We forget that the basis of all prayer of a child of God to his father is a relationship that God has already called us into and that we already have with Him. How you pray, when you pray, how long you pray, what you pray for, doesn't determine your relationship with God as His child and God as your Father. It's the other way around. The relationship that you have of child with Father through Christ Jesus is the reason you can pray to Him and expect Him to be listening and to answer your prayers. So the foundation of our prayer life, whatever kind of prayer you're praying, whether it's a prayer of just dedication to Him, whether it's a prayer of intercession for other people, whether it's a prayer of just being with God and fellowshipping with Him, whether it's a prayer that's, called, that's asking God to meet one of your needs, whatever kind of prayer it is, it's all based on one foundation, which is the relationship that He has with you as a father to a child. And he, Jesus uses this at the end of this sermon. When he says, ask, 
and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks, I don't have time to answer why that, he's, but Jesus said, everyone that truly asks will receive. Everyone that truly seeks will find, and everyone that truly knocks, the door will be opened. And then he explains this concept by talking about what they would know of a good father. He said, which father of you, if your son came to you, and ask you for a loaf of bread, and would you give him a rock? Or if he asked you, if he asked you for a fish to eat, something to eat, something you have need of, would he give you a snake? In other words, is he going to play games with you? Is, is he going to play games with you about what, so, about what you're asking for? So Jesus is coming at the end of this sermon when he's talking about prayer again. He's saying, look, understand that the one you're asking, the one you're seeking, the one who you're looking to knock and open your door eyes so you can see, this one is your Father. And because He loves you, he is, ear is open to grant your request and He won't play games with you. He won't fool around with you and try to find some way to not give you what you're asking for. He just, he's telling us to ask because he wants to answer. That needs to get through to us. But the basis Jesus uses to communicate this is he is your father and you are his child. And so the basis of prayer, of all prayer, has got to be a relationship that we have with Him. And that relationship we have with God as our Father can only be through our union with Christ. And we'll talk about that, we'll talk about that in, in just a minute. So every prayer at the beginning of this, of this teaching to them, every prayer along the way talks about God as a Father. And at the end, we're going to see in just a minute, He talks about God as our Father. So let's go down through this prayer, in, which is the Lord's Prayer, and talk about how, what Jesus is saying, because He's teaching them how to pray. Now the interesting thing here is Jesus says to them, don't do what the Gentiles do. Don't pray a meaningless, repetitious prayer. Three things. It's a prayer, but don't let it be meaningless, and don't let it be repetitious. The interesting thing is we've turned the prayer that he taught them to pray into what? A meaningless, repetitious prayer. So in some churches it's called the Our Father. So we're just going to pray the Our Father, and maybe you're told to pray it a certain number of times as penance, whatever. But it, 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 we're not praying out of the relationship. And when we don't pray this out of a relationship then it becomes meaningless. And you can pray it over. Now, here's the key, because I used to do this every day, but I made sure I was praying it out of the relationship, and I said, Lord, is this wrong? And then I realized, no, although it's repetitious, it's not, was not meaningless to me. So there's nothing wrong with praying this every day as long as you're praying this out of a living relationship where you're talking to your Father who is in heaven. And there's a model in this prayer for things that we are to pray about. Our Father who is in heaven, holy 
be your name. We talked about this several Sundays ago. A book I was reading pointed out he's not declaring their na- his name is holy. He's praying your name in this earth be made holy before people. And then he talks about your kingdom come and your will be done. So Jesus is talking here that our prayer, because it's a prayer to our Father, but because our Father is the holy God of all creation, this prayer has to be out of respect. This prayer has to be out of honoring Him. And then it has to be a prayer that whatever the details are, we're asking for His will to be done in this situation and His kingdom to come in this situation. And then he talks about praying for our needs. Uh, Give us this day our daily bread and so on. But I want to now get into what Jesus taught us to his disciples. We're now going to, we're fast forwarding three and a half years. We're now going to look at the end of Jesus' ministry and his last conversation with his staff together, these 12 disciples together, and the instructions that he's about to give them. I think actually by this time Judas has left. So these are, are the 11. So to do that, let's now go to John chapter 14. These three chapters, John 14, John 15, and John 16, are Jesus' last instructions, his last staff meeting with his immediate disciples before he's going to go to his passion. He's going to go to the cross. So he's talking to them about a number of things. He talks to them here about the Holy Spirit who's going to come as his replacement. He's talking to them about things that they need to do, that they're going to be persecuted because they're going to be seen as him in the earth. But then he's talking about them about answered prayer. So let's take a quick look at some of this. John 14, verse 12. Have I been with you so long and you've not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of my words. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask, that's prayer, in my name, that I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. In my name means in my place. You are going to be left here as my representative. So in my name means in my place. And that answers the kinds of things we can ask for. How can Jesus say, you can ask whatever you want? Why? Because we're asking it in His place. We would not in His place ask for something that would be harmful for us. We would not in His place ask for something that would be just to gratify our flesh. Once you realize you're standing in His place, you are representing Him, you are Christ in the earth, and you are praying this for Him that the Father gets glory in the Son, it changes what you pray for, and it changes the confidence with which you pray. But He's talking here about prayer. Now let's go over to John 15, and here's really the key of what I think we need to understand. Jesus starts this, John 15, by talking about, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and my father is the husband, and he's the farmer. So now Jesus is talking about relationship here, and he's using a vine, and better for us to use a tree, because our vines are not like their vines were. But say, So Jesus says, you are, I'm an oak tree, 
and you're the branch of an oak. He, and he's talking about the, the, the branch abiding in the vine. He's talking about a relationship of the branch to the trunk of the tree. And the concept of abide here that he's communicating here is being one together, one joined together so that you are inseparable. So whatever one is, the other is. That's relationship. And so what Jesus is about to say to them out of prayer comes out of this relationship which is not just, hey, Jesus, I know you and you know me. It's no. If you are a Christian, you are in Christ. There are some 300 references to that if I counted them up. Excuse me, over 100 references to that if I counted them up correctly one time. Where the Bible says in the New Testament that if you are a believer, you are in Christ and Christ is in you. You are one with Him. So that means whatever He is, you are, and whatever you are, He is. And so our prayer communication, our relationship with God the Father is not separate from Christ. It's only because we are in Him. And when I saw that, that changed my whole relationship with God the Father. Because that means that when I come to talk to Him, it's not just as if Jesus were talking to Him. If I come to talk to Him because I'm in Christ, Jesus is coming to talk to Him because Jesus and I are one just as Jesus and you are one. So my confidence is just as He would hear Jesus' prayer, He hears my prayer because when I pray to Him in Christ, it's Christ praying to Him. And once you begin to see that union, it changes your life because now you will only go places you want to take Him. You will only do things you want Him doing because when you go somewhere, you take Him with you because He and you are one. But it also means when you find yourself in a situation where you don't know what to do, when you find yourself in a challenge and a threat or something, coming, you're not there alone either. When you have a need, you're not facing that need alone because you are in Christ. And all that He is and all that He has is available to you just as much as it's available to Him. That's why Paul could say in Philippians 4, I can do all things, not because I know Christ. I can do all things, not because I'm chummy with God the Father. I can do all things through or because I'm in Christ who strengthens me. Ephesians 6.10, Be strong in the Lord. Be strong because you're in Him and in the power of His might. But that's not just true about strength. That's not just true about getting about the resources that you need. It's also extremely true about being able to come to God the Father and make our requests known unto Him. And that's what Jesus is about to explain to them. I want to hurry along so we get to pray. We're going to go down to verse... Um, well, I'm going to go to verse... Five. I don't think they'll have that up there. If I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. He's going to talk about fruit here is prayer, results. For without me or apart from me, you can do nothing. A branch separated from the trunk dies. It can't produce anything. So in order to produce fruit, and the fruit he's talking about here is the fruit of answered prayer. We'll see that in a minute. You have to be in a living relationship with him. And to do that, you have to spend 
time with him. You have to involve him in your life. You have to listen to him. You have to turn to him in the situations of your life and watch him begin to work in that. And as you do that, you'll begin to live in him and live in this union that you have with him. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me or apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and withered, and they gather and throw him in the fire, and they're burned. Verse 7 is what I wanted to get to. If you abide in me, if you have a living relationship with God through Christ, and you're living in this relationship. Now, it's a process to learn to live in it, but you've got to start there during the day. You've got to go back to him during the day. If, if, if anyone... Um, Verse 7, where is it? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it will be done for you. That's an amazing statement. He's not saying if you ask anything that's in accordance with my will because you won't ask anything outside of his will if you're abiding in him. Notice there are two conditions. And this is why more Christians don't get answers to their prayer. Number one, you have to be abiding in Him. It doesn't just mean you know Him. It doesn't just mean you come to church. It doesn't just mean you talk to Him from time to time. It doesn't just mean you read your Bible. You, are, you have a living consciousness of Him. And again, this is a process. You're not going to get there overnight. But it has to start with a desire. By the way, if you're in Christ, you're already in Him. If you're born again, you're already in Him, but you can be in Him but not live abiding in Him, not conscious of Him, not enjoying the strength and the joy that comes from being in Him and not listening to what He has for you to do. I'm growing this to the point that when I face difficult situations, I'm realizing I'm not facing them alone anymore. And it's not just that, oh, I know Jesus is out there to help me. No, I'm in Him and He's in me. And I'm finding through the difficult times we've been facing, I'm finding in the most challenging day, times of my day that I have, there's a strength that rises up in me. And I know it's not me, I know it's Him in me, but I'm developing a consciousness and awareness that we're one, that He's in me and I'm in Him. And as you begin to do that, and then the, but the second thing is, he, the condition is, is His words have to abide in you. And this is where many Christians fall short. They don't even read their Bible and expect this to work. But it's not enough to read it. We need to read it. It's not enough to memorize it. The Word needs to get in you, down in your heart, and become part of you because it's His Word that He uses coming out of you in your prayer life. So how do you get it in you? How does that word abide in you? And there's only one way. There is no shortcut. It is by meditating on it. That's how you put it in you. And then you've got to begin to speak it out. The best way you can meditate it is to take this word and to speak it to yourself. Speak it to Him. I do it by speaking it back to Jesus. They say, Lord, you said this, so I speak it right back to Him. Lord, in this situation, this person did this, and you did this, and I speak it back to Him. And as I do that, it begins to become part of me. Now look at what this promise is. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and show, so 
you will be my disciples. He's talking about all kinds of fruit, but the primary fruit he's talking about here is he's talking about the fruit of answered prayer. Such as you're at a place of work or you're out in a store somewhere and you see this situation and your heart reaches out to them and you go offer and pray for them, offer to pray for them. And when you pray with this kind of confidence, you're expecting God to answer that prayer. And when that prayer is answered, He gets the glory. God wants people to see how real He is and how much He cares through your answered prayer and my answered prayer. So how do we do this? What do we do? Well, it's important then for us as Christians to develop this kind of relationship that we already had. God is your Father, but it's knowing Him as your Father. It's having confidence that He's your Father and that the one you're talking to is listening to you. He's actually listening to you. He's been waiting for you to talk to Him. And then He wants to answer your prayers. He's not looking for reasons not to. He wants to answer your prayers. In fact, these conditions that He's given us are not because He's there with a checklist up. They're abiding in Christ, but the Word doesn't abide in them, so I'm not answering it. No, this is the very function of receiving something out of the spirit realm into this realm is what He's giving us. And so He's not trying to not answer our prayers. He wants to answer our prayers. He wants us to come and to ask Him. So what we need to do is to... It, this is why when we learn to come together and pray in united prayer, our prayer time together, whether it's online like this or with this co- building room filled with people, it's not going to be any better than our own personal prayer life. And this is a great time to develop it. If you're still home from work or you're still somewhat shut in and we can't do everything we normally do, use this time in the morning. Use your time to begin to develop a prayer life. You need to develop a relationship with Him. And don't feel awkward. He knows what you're going to say before you ask Him anyway. Just start talking to Him and expect Him to begin to answer. And don't get discouraged if you don't hear anything. If Just keep at it. You've got to break through all that flesh. You've got to renew your mind that God really loves you as your Father and He wants to answer our prayers. And just continue. And then apply this in your daily life. When you're in a situation, talk to Him. Ask Him, I don't know what to do here, Father. Your Word says, ask you for wisdom. I need to know what to do here. And expect Him to answer you. You may not get it immediately, but you will get it, especially the more you learn to expect answers. So talk to Him throughout your day. He's in you. He's not waiting for you to go through some formula or some ceremony. He just wants you to open your heart and begin to talk to Him. And as you develop that relationship, our prayer time together here will be much more effective. All right. We're going to begin to... um, uh, We're going to begin to... um, uh, pray. That's what we came here to do. And we're going to start by the United 714 prayer, which I have here. Now, I discovered that Sunday I prayed next week's prayer, not this week's prayer. So we'll get that right tonight. So we're, this is the prayer that for those of you that have been watching for a while on, Mondays, on Sunday or on Wednesday nights, this is part of a worldwide or, or, a group, or movement praying the same thing every week. Thousands, tens of thousands of churches are praying this together. So we'll get into this prayer. It's based on Joel 2, verses 28 through 29. It should come to pass afterward that I pour my spirit out on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. 
Acts 2.16. And this is what was uttered by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And uh, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And even on every male servant and female servant, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Malachi 4.2. For you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healings in his wings, and you shall go out, leaping the calves from the stall. And finally, Hebrews 12.28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you before your throne of grace today, and we're mindful of your ancient promise to pour out your Spirit on all flesh. This promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. But history bears witness to the fact that countless times, through fresh outpourings of your Spirit, you have revived your church and saved the lost, Our economies have been impacted by this pandemic and our nations have been shaken and yet there's a great promise hidden in this pain because the nations of the world have been ripened for harvest. We ask for revival and harvest would come through a fresh outpouring of your spirit like one we see in the book of Joel. Lord Jesus, we cry out for your church to be revived. We ask for millions to be saved as you bring a spiritual awakening to the nations of the earth. Today we stand in awe of your care for the peoples of the world, for his all-encompassing loving care that extends to the spiritual, emotional, relational, physical, and material needs of every human on our planet. Knowing that your omniscient eye misses nothing, we ask that you heal those who have been afflicted with COVID-19. Comfort the hearts of those who suffered loss and heal this broken world. Lord, we boldly come before your throne today asking that you eradicate COVID-19 from the earth. Please heal our nations from the ravages of this pandemic. In the time of unprecedented worldwide shaking, we thank you, Lord, for placing us in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Fill us with faith, love, joy, and peace as you freshly empower us with your Holy Spirit, anointing us to become ambassadors of reconciliation. Lord, we reject panic and we receive your peace. Empower us to be your witnesses in our cities and in our nations. Amen and amen. Let's go on to pray for what we're going to do. First of all, we're going to pray for our our leaders. The Word of God tells us this. It tells us to pray for those that are in leadership and authority over our lives. Now, that's a problem for some Christians because you may like or may not like the person or people that stand in these offices. And you may be entirely correct or you may be entirely wrong. But God did not tell us to only pray for those that we like. He told us to pray for everyone that's in leadership and authority. Why? Because authority is ordained by God. And the people that are serving in those positions of authority are responsible to God for how they exercise that authority. And because of that responsibility, they need God's grace and God's wisdom to exercise that. Secondly... And it's hard for us to understand this unless you've been in a position of spiritual responsibility. But I am in one, but not like any of them. 
the, the spiritual pressure that comes against those people in authority. And the higher they are in that authority, the greater the spiritual pressure that comes at them. Because understand what's going on in the world today, what's going on in this country today, is not just a political matter, it's not just a racial matter, it's not just a health matter. There are spiritual forces at work behind them and they are ultimately what's involved and they are at work to try to destroy the nation and they're at work to try to divide and destroy the church which is God's which is God's weapon in the earth today and God's vehicle in the world today to carry out his will so that's why it's important that we pray for our president and all of those that are in leadership and authority He doesn't say you have to like them or agree with them, but we are called by God to pray for them. And I have found as I've done that, it's changed my heart towards some people. It's amazing when you pray for somebody, what it can do in your heart towards that person. So we're going to pray for our leaders first of all. Then we're going to pray for some situations regarding this COVID-19 that apply to this area for the churches. And then we're going to pray for some other things that are going on in the world today and then for this church. So, Father, we come, first of all, to do just what your word has told us to do. We come to pray for those that are in leadership and authority over our lives. So we pray for our president. We pray for him, Father, that you would give him wisdom, that you would strengthen him against whatever the spiritual pressures are that try to bend him, work through him, destroy him, influence him. We pray that you give him discernment. We pray, Father, that you bring into his life men and women that know your spirit and know your voice, that they would speak into his life words of wisdom and that you open his heart to hear what you have to say to him. Help him to recognize, Father, that the authority that he stands in is something or that authority is ordained by you. And help him to learn to operate in it in the fear of the Lord that he will give an account for how he exercised the authority that you've given to him. We pray for our leaders of Congress, for Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. We pray the same prayer for them, Father, that you would give them godly counsel, that you would strengthen them, and that you would open their eyes to understand the grace that you have for them and that the responsibility that they have towards you for the authority of the position in which they've been placed. And so we pray for them, Father. We pray for all their souls, Lord, and that you surround them with men and women, Lord, in places of influence that can speak into their lives, people that know you and know your voice, that you strategically place people in their lives. We thank you, Father, that we know that what's going on in reality is not everything that the news media reports to us, that you have prayer groups meeting in these places, that you have men and women of God that you have placed in there of influence, and we pray for them that you would give them boldness and encourage them today, Lord. If they're discouraged and continue to help them to stand and do what you place them to do. And we thank you for them, Father, and, their, and your, your faithfulness. We pray, Father, for Governor Raimondo. And we thank you, Father, for the, posi- the person that you placed there. And we pray that you continue to protect her and her family. We pray, Father, that you would continue to give her wisdom and strength and courage to do what's right. And that you help her to understand that the authority she has is entrusted to her by you. 
We thank you, Father, that you've put in our life people that hear your spirit and know your spirit, Father, that you give them wisdom to guide the state, Father, as we navigate through the challenges of COVID-19 and all the other pressures and challenges that are now coming against our leadership for which they need wisdom. We pray for Governor Baker, Father, in whose state, Lord, this, this fellowship exists. We pray also for him that you would protect him and, and strengthen him, give him wisdom and counsel. Father, we pray that you would put people in his life that would hear the voice of your spirit and would give him godly counsel. We pray for his soul also, Father. Now we pray, Father, for the pastors of this area. Lord, they're leading their people through difficult times, not just with this pandemic, Lord, but with all the racial pressures and tensions and all the other pressures and tensions that are going on in our world today, let alone carrying out your will for which their, their, their churches were established. We pray that you would give them courage. We pray that you would give them boldness. We pray that you would give them discernment so they would know what, what to be, what to spend their time and their faith and their, their prayers on and what to not, what are distractions for what are the issues that you would have them to address and to deal with, Father. We pray for the prosperity of your people, Lord, that it would allow the work that you called all these churches to do, not just in their fellowships, but the missions that they're called to help, that they would continue to grow and to continue to prosper. And Father, we pray, Lord, for, for, the, for the, the church in this day and age, for you have placed us here for such a time as this, with the financial challenges that are coming against people's lives, with the health issues and the threats of for fear that are coming against people because of the continued threat of COVID-19. And now we hear reports of that, that this may come back and all these reports that are out there, Father. But you, and, and now we have all the racial issues, Lord, and the things that need to change and the tensions and all of that that comes at us, Lord. And, and we have people in this church that are in different areas of influence that this is affecting. And Lord, it can be very overwhelming, but you've put us here for such a time as this. And you are faithful to your people that if you've put us here, then you enable us to do what you put us here. So we pray, Father, for this church. And then we pray for others. Lord, that you would open the eyes of our understanding that together we would see why you put us here. That you, why we're here and that you would give us boldness in our spirit, boldness to speak, boldness to ask. Father, we believe that you've, this is an opportunity for a great harvest as things people have trusted in and things people have put their confidence in have been shaken, Lord, and there's uncertainty. And this is a tremendous opportunity for the only certainty there is out there to step forth. And that is the kingdom of God come into the earth today. So we're here for such a time. And so we pray, Father, for your kingdom to come and this church, and through this church, for your will to be done. Make clear to all of us in leadership so that all of us can see and we can move forward with one vision, with one heart, and with one accord. We pray, Father, for other churches, the same thing, that they would see and understand and step into their part of what you want to do in this nation, in these states, in this area, in this time. We pray for an outpouring of your Spirit, first of all within the church, 
to bring us to a place of repentance and to open the eyes of our understanding to see, Lord, where we fall short and to see that our hearts have not cared for the lost the way they need to care. Our hearts have not cared for issues of justice. Our hearts have not cared for even our own people here in this fellowship the way you've called us to care, Lord. Break our hearts open and only the Holy Spirit can do that. So pour your Spirit out, first of all, upon us, upon the other churches in this region. Father, we pray that you would open the eyes, Lord, the things that are coming to the attention of our nation now, of our people, Lord, in this nation, of the injustices that have gone on for so long, of the hatred, Lord, in this horrible racism, both of brutality that's become obvi- becoming more obvious and in some ways the more dangerous sin, the subtle attitudes that there are a people among us that are second class, that are not the same. And Father, help us to, to open the eyes of those that are not been affected by that. Those of us in this congregation, Father, that have not lived under that pressure, have not lived under the fear and the intimidation, have not lived under the cloud that we're not the same, we don't measure up, we're second class. Father, help us to wake up and recognize our brothers and sisters and what they've had to deal with, that our hearts may be touched and that we may begin to share in true fellowship the burden that they've shared, Lord. And out of this, out of this potential for division, that you would, by your Spirit, bring unity here. And that the unity that you would bring here, Father, would become a lighthouse to the darkness that's in the world around us. For Jesus, you taught us that the world is only going to know what you're like by the real, tangible, sacrificial love that we have for one another. And Father, we thank you for what you've started here because you have done here what no laws could do and what no man can do. You've had meeting here for almost 40 years, Lord, people from different ages, different ages, different backgrounds, and different races worshiping together, but we've not truly come together to bear one another's burdens. There are still divisions, Father, that can run deep in our hearts. And we're asking you not just to bring healing, but understanding. Because that healing cannot take place until there's understanding. Until there's real repentance, Lord. Until there's a, until there's a real, sincere, deep caring from our hearts. And that's a work that only your Spirit can do. But my hope and confidence, Father, is that on the day of Pentecost, when your Spirit was poured out for the first time and the real church was birthed, it was birthed in a spirit of unity. It was birthed in a spirit of love that sacrificed for one another. It was built in a spirit, Father, of a recognition that they were together the body of Christ. Bring us to that place, Holy Spirit. Bring us to that place of true, real, heartfelt unity. Not something that's a token. Not something that makes us feel better. And we pray, Father, for a healing of the hurts that have been caused by the division. A healing of the hurts, Father, 
that there may be a true healing and a true bringing together. And then help us to bring that outside of this fellowship that you've called together. To bring that love into action. To bring that love into compassion. To bring that love, Father, however you choose to pour it out of here. Father, this is not coming about in the way that I would have thought. But I believe with all my heart, this is what you're doing in this place and want to do in this place. And for those things, Father, we give you thanks. Open the eyes of our understanding. Open the eyes of our understanding, Father. And we pray now, Father, as we begin to take the steps to come back together so that we can fellowship together on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights and we can actually see one another because your word admonishes us as we get closer to the end, and certainly we are, to not forsake the assembling together. But Father, we've had to, had to take this step because it's the law of our land and because it is wisdom and good godly counsel. But Father, we want to come back to that place where we can come together and we can see each other and we can embrace each other and we can take hands and pray for one another and we can lay hands on one another and we can sing outwardly and boldly together. Father, restore that to the church in a way that's safe, in a way that's prudent, but in a way that's real. And so we pray again, Father, that this horrible virus comes to an end. We take authority over it again in the name of Jesus. We pray, Father, for those people that are afflicted by it right now and those that are suffering. We speak in the name of Jesus. We saw tonight that we can ask anything in His name and He will do it. Jesus, we come in the name of Jesus, in Your name, and we speak wholeness and healing to everyone afflicted by this this virus right now. And Father, we speak to those that have lost loved ones. There are some even in this fellowship that have lost loved ones. We speak that You would continue to comfort them and help them to heal from that loss. Give them hope, Father, the hope of the resurrection. And Father, we pray tonight that this thing ends, that this thing ends, whether it's through a vaccine or whether it's by a supernatural move of your spirit, that this thing ends so that your work can be completed in the earth today. Father, we thank you We trust and believe that you have heard these things, that you hear, and that you answer our prayers. And Father, we just praise you tonight. We honor you tonight. We glorify you tonight. Father, we pray for people right now that are going through challenges in their finances, whether it's because of this pandemic or whether it's because of some other reason. Father, Help us to come together and meet one another's needs. Father, you are the great source. You are the source of everything that we need. But you use people as a vehicle and as a means. And even though we can't physically meet together and talk to one another, you have in your grace and your wisdom, Father, and your foresight provided other means that we can communicate. And Father, we have started here a conduit, a means to do that so that people can sow into other people's lives and people can reap from other people's sowing. 
So open people's hearts to be generous. Father, we pray for the missionaries that this church supports, that you would keep them safe, Father. All the missionaries, those that are in Africa, from Botswana all the way up north, all the way on the east coast and the west coast. We pray for those that are in South America and those that are in Central America, Father. We pray for those that are in the United States on the, on, in, that are ministering on the Navajos and in the, in the reservations. We pray for those that are in Europe, Father, in Estonia, and pray for others, Lord, in other parts of Europe. We pray for those in, in China, Lord, that are ministering in China. We pray for those, Father, that are in, in Southeast Asia, that are, that are in that area, Lord. We pray that you would take care of them and protect them. Some of them are there with children, Father, that you would watch over and protect them. They have stepped out in faith to leave the comfort of their country, to leave the comfort of this culture, to leave the country of their fa- the comfort of their families, to go and answer the call. Now we're asking you, we stand with them, that you would encourage them and strengthen them and protect them and their families, that you would continue to provide for them the resources that they need to finish the work that you have started in those nations. And Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to them. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. I pray right now, I just sense, as we begin to bring this to a close, that there are people out there right now that are discouraged. You've been fighting against this thing for so long, and, it's, and, and you're getting weary of discouraged, weary to have to wear a mask, weary to not do certain things you're used to doing. Maybe, you're, maybe you are out of a job, and you're, you're worried that you're not going to be able to pay your bills, and you're discouraged because you've been praying, and you haven't seen an answer. I just feel right now that the Spirit of God wants to encourage you, wherever you are. Father, we ask you, you are the God of all comfort and the God of encouragement. And we pray right now, Father, that by the Holy Spirit, you would touch their hearts even now. And just with a a jolt of encouragement in life, your life, that they're going to make it, that they're going to be all right, they're going to get through this, that you live in them by the Holy Spirit. And everything they need, every resource they need, every answer they need, is in them right now. We pray for some may that need somebody to call them or to text them at just the right time to bring the encouragement. And we pray, Father, that there are people that are praying right now that you will put someone on their heart to reach out and to encourage them. In this time of great challenge, Lord, help us to see the great opportunity to truly come together. Father, as we learn to come together without being together physically, how much greater is it going to be when we can physically come together once again? And we declare by faith that that day will be soon. Father, we end finally by asking that tonight, if there's anyone that's watching tonight or listening tonight or even hears this or sees this afterward, that is not in the family of God, that has never come to you and received Christ as their Lord and as their Savior, that right now you would open their hearts, the eyes of their understanding, to see the hope of your calling for their life that's in Christ. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to touch their hearts right now. For all these things we give you thanks. In Jesus' name. Amen. There's two things we're going to do before we close. 
I just prayed for this situation. <clears throat> Most people that join us on a Wednesday night either have, are part of this church or are believers from some other church, but you may have tuned in tonight or maybe you've been tuning in Sundays and Wednesday nights and just kind of curious.